looking for the second wave of sickness, and they're saying, come on, make everybody sick so I can get voted in. Well, I want to get voted out. Because I believe that we're under the third pull, and Brother Brown said in a vision, in a type form, he's seen all the sick and lame and cripples lined up going into this provision, and they come out perfectly whole. I believe the revelation of His presence, the fullness of the atonement of Jesus Christ, that now He's here to make that good for us, that our, as our souls have prospered, we shall prosper in body and wealth and health and everything else. I honestly believe that we're in the movement now of the resurrection, and the sign of that presence or the spirit of resurrection, this power when He raised Jesus from the dead, is complete healing of our minds, our bodies, and the, basically the, the redemption of our souls to perfection, bringing us to immortality. That is what we, it is here, that is what we can expect. But if you don't expect it and look forward to it, confess that it is here, you will not see it. I told a brother we could basically raise the dead in this service, and if it wasn't, if it, anything outside of this congregation, they wouldn't believe it. If the revival does not start in their building, they won't believe it. The revival has to start somewhere. If it's here, fine. If it's somewhere else, it's fine. If it's in Africa, fine. I'll believe it. And I'm going to be a part of it because now are we the sons and daughters of God. So we welcome the congregation of Canada in this morning. Look like they are uh, politically distanced correctly. Look like everybody has showed up and we welcome them. Let's give them a praise this morning, would you? They got just a little bit delayed, so they, they're just a little bit behind us, a few seconds or four more, but we welcome them back. Amen. Our subject has been lately on divine healing, and the reason I'm preaching on divine healing is you say, well, that's the matter. We have already heard that back in the 50s. Well, how many is just as sick now as it was in the 50s? I, asked, I wondered this morning, I asked a patient a question, when Brother Brown was here in the healing meetings down in uh, Jonesboro and different places. You can hear, hear him dealing with spirits. And casting out devils was a part of the great healing revival because I've watched, uh, I've seen Jack Cole live. I've seen demons fly out of buildings like little sparks of fire leaving. I've seen demons cast out in my own ministry. I've dealt with them personally. Brother Branham dealt with the demons. They are very much alive. My question is, where did they all go? The last 10 or 15 years, it, only in movies do you see what we call demons. The church doesn't preach them anymore. Brother Branham said they went to church and sat down on the pew. And disguised themselves as Christians. And therefore, unless you cross them by the word, they just as holy and just believe in Jesus as much as you do. Like the demon said, Jesus I know. Paul I know. He's a good guy. I know him too. But who are you? Now, I believe Jesus is here in spirit form. Brother Branham's not here, and Paul's not here in physical form. But you and I are here. The demons have not changed. The Word of God has not changed. If we can take the Word of God in our mouth and cast out demons 50 years ago, how come we can't cast them out now? Because there will be no complete healing without the total outcast of demonic power. Once you begin to study sickness and disease and follow the message all the way through, you'll find out nine out of ten and a half diseases and problems are always caused by evil spirits manifest themselves in different levels, physical and tumor and cancers and things like that, even to the diseases of the mind and thinking and obsessions and all these addictions and everything else. So 200,000 thousand demons of revelation has been loosed upon the world and they're looking for the bride of Jesus Christ. Brother Bam said they will absolutely slaughter every believer, fundamental Christian, thinking that they're getting the bride. But the bride will be slipped out of this dimension that we call a rapture. Because we have been totally delivered by a revelation of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're looking at. And I'm preaching stage by stage because I believe that we can absolutely... If you work with me in the Spirit and believe, we can work our 
way through these spirits, demons, cancer, whatever more, and raise up. We'll deal with deafness. We will deal with different diseases until we reach the point that not one person in here will be sick, lame, crippled, blind, or cannot hear. The children of Israel, the bride of Jesus Christ, will go out completely whole. As Brother Brown said, if you need an arm, you provide one. If you need eyes, you can create eyes. Most deafness is called by spirits. You can cast out the deaf and dumb spirits. We will walk out of here whole, completely well, under the presence and revelation of Jesus Christ in the atonement. So that's what we're laboring on. There's only one access that brings perfection and permanent healing, and that is the revelation of the atonement. It hasn't been preached. Most people do not believe in the fullness of the atonement. Brother Bram said in the church age, I think if you go back to the bottom, back of the book, he finishes up the church age book telling you that the Jews did not believe that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for sin. They didn't believe that he was the answer. That he may have grace, he might be saved on the country, but it was plus the law, plus doing this, plus doing that. He said the early church did not accept the atonement in its fullness because under Paul's grace gospel, they began to turn it right back under the Jewish leaders and begin to preach that basically we believe in Jesus to be saved, but you've got to do this, to do that, to be sanctified, to keep the law, da-da-da-da. Even the Philadelphian church, a brotherly love, he said, did not accept the atonement in its fullness. Every believer from Jews to today has limited the work of Calvary. They believe there's something that you must do for your sins or you must do for to be healed or you must do to overcome. There is our part of responsibility, and that responsibility is believing. You say, well, that's not too much. It's believing from the heart that we call a revelation. But he said at the end time there will be a message come, and there will be a group of people restored to the full understanding of the atonement, and they will apply the atonement. And absolutely produce a Mark 16, where these signs shall follow them that believe in the perfect work of Calvary. You say, well, that sounds like a Baptist doctor. We're to believe the blood and what more? You look. We read the last two or three weeks the Isaiah, which is the book of the atonement or the reading. By his stripes we are healed. But if you'll notice the stripes on his back, the stripes cut away his flesh that blood could come forth. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. But without the, the lashes or the stripes, there would be no blood come forth. And we've preached to you the five sheddings of the blood. The nail prints in his hand, the thorns, the spear in his side, the backs on, stri uh, stripes on his back, the five sheddings of blood. And each shedding of the blood conquered something for you. So therefore, by his shedding of the blood... We have forgiveness of sins. By his stripes we are healed. And through his death. Without the death, the blood and the stripes would not amount to nothing except look at it as a story. But then he bled and shed his life until the point of death. He released the life of God as a sacrifice and a perfect atonement with God to reconcile us back to God. That under the belief of this finished work of Calvary. We can have a full relationship with God as sons and daughters. We can have a relationship where it's not just worshiping God as an object of obedience, but we can have a relationship with Him as sons and daughters and the bride of Jesus Christ. Understanding that we have been made completely righteous by His death and resurrection, proving that we were sheep from the very beginning. Glory to God. We were sheep gone astray. Where did we leave? We went astray way back there. Where were you when the sons and daughters shouted around the throne of God? Adam that represented us in the garden, he went astray. Sold all of us in the bondage and slavery of sin and death. All the Old Testament types, we'll get into it in a few minutes. All the Old Testament types, what, going forward and forward until Jesus arrived, which was God's per perfect answer for man's problem. He was the last man. He was the second Adam. And his life and his death satisfied the justice of God. 
Therefore, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, when God uh, looks through the blood, He sees you perfect. He does not see your mistakes. There's not one mistake that you can make that God doesn't see as perfect. But there is a condition under that blood. Not only do we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God sent His only begotten Son, but the condemnation was this, that God sends a light into the area. He sends a message for seven church ages. He sends a gospel, and he that's got an ear, let him hear the report of the gospel for that age, and those that believe the report shall be saved in that measure of understanding that was given to them. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We have had the sevenfold revelation of Jesus Christ. We've come back to the seals was open. Jesus come down in the form of a, a pillar of fire and a Holy Ghost. The same one that gave up the ghost. That same one is here this morning in a form of a pillar of fire in the person of Jesus Christ. He proved that he was here because remember, I could take this Bible and this Bible cannot tell me your name. This Bible cannot discern your heart. This Bible cannot tell me what's in your mind. But we've seen a person stand under the influence of the Holy Ghost and tell you he is here and he gave his body up. And we've seen a person tell you, I know who you are. You're Mrs. So-and-so and you went to the doctor and your name is so-and-so. And the doctor tells you you've got a tumor, you're going to die. But this morning you believed, therefore you're healed. Every one of them, he told something was wrong. Every now and then, uh, there's a man out there, he said, oh, you got a problem with smoking. I rescind that problem from you. Now, from this day forth, you are saved and you are healed. That's a mighty quick work. The man did not go to the altar and pray two or three hours. There's something that happened by the manifestation of God to cause his heart to open up because that soul, that gene was already there. So the sheep went astray, but now then the, when the chief shepherd come back and call the sheep by name, and that is your soul, and you recognize it as the voice of God, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow my word, and they believe it with all of their heart. Amen. So therefore, we're sitting now under this unique, peculiar experience of the presence of God being here that we call the appearing or the coming of the Lord as the uh, word of God. God himself is here. Because we heard the gospel preached and we heard a messenger that was vindicated tell you that he, my ministry is declared to you that he, God, the Word, is here. Vindication proved that presence. So many people looked at vindication as a means for healing. Vindication only brought healing by the grace of God to you to prove that what the man was telling you was the truth. But vindication was not your perfect approach to healing. That was a direct approach by Almighty God that He used a man with a gift and a direct approach said, I forgive you, my gift makes you well. That a direct approach is gone. So they traveled the world and looked for other men with gifts and ministries, but they couldn't find any because why? The false anointed fallen right behind the true prophet. When the Bible speaks more about false prophets, false prophets, false this and false teachers, that's true in this hour. But remember, there had to become a true prophet and a true teacher before there could be any impersonations. You cannot have a false until after the real. Moses come with a true sign, then Jamerson and Jammer followed, trying to copy exactly what he done until it come to the Word. Until it come to the spoken Word. And when they uh, began to speak, then they couldn't copy that. Now we've come to the first pull, second pull. We've had A.A. A. Allen, Oral Roberts, Jack Cole. We've seen all those men call for the prayer lines. I've watched A.A. A. Allen cast out demons. I've seen Jack Cole live cast out demons. Seen him pray for the sick. Seen miracles. Walk in in wheelchairs, walk out well. The presence of God was there because the people believed. They believed. These men had a certain charisma. They had that certain tone to their voice. They could absolutely preach and basically by musicians bring you up into a realm to cause us to get into the spirit of deliverance. People come for deliverance. That's what they were there for, to see God heal. And God perform His miracles just exactly as He said. Once we're free from unbelief that caused by demon power, you will be well and you will be saved. So that's what we want to look at this morning, this healing promise.
My healing promise is not for your just your toothache, just not just for your arthritis. We'll work on those like David worked on a lion, a bear, until we get out of here to immortality. But if we can't take care of a toothache, we can't kill a lion, we can't kill the bear, you can't uh, take care of cancer, then we don't have any worry to worry about immortality out here. But when you see demons go, you see cancer healed, you see blind eyes open, you see limbs begin to grow, then you'll build up a faith to say, wait a minute, if that power is here, i got fire, power and faith to go out of here with him. Amen. Amen. Then your eyes will be open and you'll see the invisible ones around you that's performing the work. Amen. There's angels in this building this morning to minister to those that need ministering to. How many believes that you are saved this morning? Amen. Then you have a representation in the presence of God. And Jesus Christ sitting on the meditorial seat this morning waiting for you to open your mouth and declare what he's already done for you and that you believe it so that he can go to work this morning to make it good. Amen. Amen. So if you're sick this morning, well, I want you to listen. If you have spiritual problems, I want you to pay attention because the same means of deliverance fits every person and every problem that we can think of. Amen. I don't have a personal gift to discern your heart and want more, but I've got the Word sitting right in front of me. We've cast out devils. We've seen we went through that phase. We've been through it many times. We're not going to revert back to a minor, but we're going to bring you up to a major way to hear the Word of God. Believe it out of your mouth. Confess it. Come and have fellowship with the Lord. Don't come in in fear and say, oh, I've got to worship God to be received. He's looking for true worshipers. That means they've got a relationship with him. They come in knowing that they're sons and daughters of God. They come in with the privilege of gathering together to worship him in spirit and in truth. Praying and expecting somebody to come in sick so they can see him be well. Amen. Amen. You say, well, everybody in here is well. Then praise God. Let's just prosper our soul until we get well financially, mentally, health-wise, and whatever more. And go out and look for somebody that's in the byways to bring them in for God to deliver. This revival that I'm looking at, as I said, will only be to an elect. You say, well, can the foolish virgins gauge benefit from this uh, movement of God? Yes. I believe the foolish virgins will receive the benefit of the resurrection power. Because let's face it, this message is the last message given to the believer in the believing church. Therefore, the foolish virgins will know by spirit that something has happened. I believe that they'll be woken or wake up. we we'll call it woke. they got this big movement called woke now. You woke. In the message, people are still sleeping. They're veiled in their minds. You know why? It's because religious demons have come in and veiled their minds to the true revelation of Jesus Christ. They still got this Trinitarian concept. They got this one like your finger concept. They believe Brother Branham made mistakes. They don't believe the seals are open. They don't believe that Jesus Christ, shedding of his blood, his resurrection, proved to you once and for all everything that you have need of has been taken care of by the grace of Almighty God. The only problem that you need this morning, you got to worry about, can you believe the report? Can you believe is the question. Because all things are possible if thou canst believe. So I want to look at this morning what we call a more excellent way, and our subject is toward divine healing to immortality. When I say divine healing, I'm not just looking at basically getting something healed, a toothache healed, or problem healed. Which that's wonderful. That's a minor. That's just a part of the privilege of the, uh, the children's bread. I'm looking for a healing, a permanent healing, a perfection of the soul. And as your soul prospers, so shall you prosper and be in health. Not partial health, perfect health. Are you following now? I do not believe there's a son or daughter of God, period, that should have physical problems, mental problems, be in health, be broke, or be on welfare of the government. Because we got a promise in this book right here for every believer. I am your protector and I am your provider. I will heal you. I've already healed you. I've already taken care of your sins. I've already been reconciled to you. We are the enemy of God. God is not our enemy. God is not mad at us. Come on now. We're the problem. We're going to have to take responsibility of our rejection, our unbelief, our fleeing, our running away, what we want to do, our desires. 
And our desires has got to turn in a positive direction toward the atonement. We'll look at the positive power or the positive results of desire. There has to be a desire in you to be well. There has to be a desire in you to prosper. There has to be a desire in you to be uh, right with God, right with your fellow man, right with your neighbor. You think we're going to get to heaven and then say, okay, brother, I, I, I made a mistake. We fussed and argued all of our life, and now we'll have to make it right up here. No, no, no. You're going to make it right here. The main reason why we got sickness in the camp is because we got too many divisions among each other. You got too many aughts against your neighbor, your friends, your loved ones, family, whatever more. And you hold these grudges, all, of these, all these life, what more, and wonder why God's Spirit don't move among us. We could go on and on and on. But if you say, praise God, I've changed my mind, Lord. I'm sorry for my sins. I want you to correct me and get my heart right. If you say that from the heart, I believe God will start working on the heart. Because he does have a more excellent way than basically vindication gifts, James 5, 4, March 16, vindication or, or whatever more. He's got a perfect way. And therefore, if we find perfect way, we'll be in the pavilion of God for the rapture. And there won't be a person that walks under the revelation of the rapture that will not be healed and made whole by the grace of Almighty God. Now, that's a mouthful. That's good enough. Let's go home this morning. Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. We'll get just as far as we can. But this is not a subject that I can preach a sermon in 15 minutes, hop up and have a direct approach to healing and then go home. This is something that you uh, look at, you meditate on, you think about. You talk about it until it becomes a part of your mind, your soul, your spirit. It creates a desire in you. This is our responsibility. In other words, God has done something complete and he's not going to do anything else. Now it's up to you to take what he done, believe it, believing that he keeps his promises, believe the results, believe that you're the one that wants it, your desire asks for it. There's nothing in this Bible here or nothing that you have desire of that's not in this Bible. You tell me something that you want or need to be done that's not covered in this Bible. If there is, then basically you got something unique. Because if he said, I'll provide for you and protect you outside of provision and protection, which covers everything that you would have need of, what more would you ask for? Just those two little things right there. But if he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities, took our sorrows upon him, took our griefs upon him, took our mental problems upon him, he took everything that you can think or the devil could hand to you or the devil could think of himself. If Jesus Christ took every one of that, those things upon him, even took the devil's sin, took it upon him, he become sin. He became sin, period. At Calvary, he became sin. My God, my God, why is I forsaken? Because he became sin. The father turned his back on his son. The sun went down. The moon went down. Everything become darkness. That's God's righteousness. Turned his back on his only begotten son. He went to the lower regions. He went to hell where Satan and all of his demons was down there. Boy, did they have a hallelujah revival. You cast us out up there in, the, in, in your realm, but now you're down here with us. You thought you was a preacher up there. You cast us out of the swine. You cast us out of indefiniteness. You cast us out as legion. Now then you're down here in our territory. Praise God. Come on now. There he was, a simple, ripped body. Ha! But he was the same one that died upon Calvary. You know why? Because he knew who he was. Yeah, I'm in this position, but I'm still a son of God. I come down here because the only way I can get down here, I had to become sin to get down in your level. I had to come down here and get on your level so I could take these people down here that you brought down back up on my level. I'm going to take them up out of here. So he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from Satan. He took all the power of demonology away from the demons. He took the sting out of the stinger. He took the power out of death. And he took the keys and walked over here where Abraham and all these guys were locked up. He unlocked the door. Brother Brandon preached that marvelous sermon. I hear the footsteps coming. It sounds like that guy with sandals on that I met up there. There the thief on the cross. He said, brothers, I was just up there a few hours ago. And he said, where I am, there you'll be also. And here he is right there. 
That's a, I call that the shortest time in hell that you can go. He said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. Well, Jesus skipped paradise and had to go to hell. But just a little while, it didn't take him a long time to take care of the devil. <laughs> he walked up there, and every one of them was cowards, just like I believe. If you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He's a coward to begin with. He's a liar. He has no power. Cancer has no power. Demons have no power. Tumors have no power. Then what's their power? It's that spirit of fear. Talking to your brain. Talking to your weakness. Most of the time they'll tell you how you're making mistakes, how unholy you are. You're talking about a holy devil. He preaches legalism more than anybody else does. That devil knows everything that you don't do or what you should do or what somebody said you should do. But I heard a prophet one time that was the biggest legalist that I ever heard preach. I listened to him for years and never could get saved. Come on now. Because every time I put on another sermon, he always brought out something I wasn't doing. I got so guilty I couldn't even go to Walmart and shop. Because when you go by, there's a TV back there. And you go, well, can't look at TV. I'll, I'll go to hell if I look at TV. And somebody, you stumble in somebody, and I say, excuse me, I can't look at TV. And everywhere you look, seen these half-dressed women walking around. Yep. Oh, I can't be saved because I can't control this half-dressed woman. You're never going to control the women. These naked women are going to be here after we're gone. Come on, talk to me this morning. Don't, don't slouch down. You're, you, you've overcome all of that. You already know that's the truth. You're always going to have sinners. This world is 90% serpent seed. They're never going to be holy. They're never going to have a conscience of God. Watch them burn this country down city by city. The prophet of God said, as far as I looked across America, I, all I could see was ashes and smoke and craters, whatever more. This anarchy spirit that you got moving now is moving around the world. It will not stop until America is burning from coast to coast. But remember, not one bride. Come on now. If there's a, if there's a child of God in America... I was praying this morning, Lord, I know there has to be a, a one believer in America because I'm here, my wife's here, my congregation is here, so I know one thing, you're here with us to deliver us. But, oh, God, every member of the bride of America and around the world, lift her up in the power of resurrection this morning. Let us see who we are and that you are here, and it's time, praise God, to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's time. Now let me get to my sermon. Teaching is boring, but preaching is, feels pretty good, like Sam said this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. He's telling me that gifts here, which is... The, a direct approach to healing. People saw Brother Branham's direct approach. He had a gift from God. If you can get that person to believe you, nothing will stand before you, not even cancer. So he had this homespun talk, this ministry, this way of preaching. If you listen to his sermon, very simple. I put on a sermon the other day, I think things that are to be, and I listen, put it on again, listen. I, I, if I had to preach what he said, I, what would I tell you? God is sovereign. We know that. God will heal. We know that. It was no great theological discourse, no one, step one, two, three. It was, it was nothing like a pastor or teacher. Very simple message. But when he come down to it, praise God, he was in contact with somebody by a divinely ordained gift. To get the attention of the people. And his gift was a direct approach. There was not one condition that stood before that gift. That could not be corrected by God. They got out of wheelchairs. They got off of stretchers. Come out of straight jackets. 
come out of the hospital. That nightingale woman down to bones where she couldn't even hardly cry tears. She was so gone, foregone with cancer. Raised up and made whole by a simple little Kentucky hillbilly said, Sister, God heals you in the name of Jesus. You didn't see no change. There wasn't no angel run down and blowed up the room. There's something ordained. There was something down in that individual's heart that heard a voice and I'm healed. Whatever that sixth sense is called soul said, I believe it. That little power, that little man down there, the real you, down there made a decision. That soul heard a voice that sounded true to them and he said, I believe it. It wasn't the confidence of the man. It really wasn't even the confidence in the gift. It was your faith in the Word of God that done it. Because the gift was not perfection. Vindication was not the perfect way. Looking at the Word of God. Looking at Calvary. Looking at the sacrifice. Believing that God received that sacrifice and made you perfect. That faith. That belief sets you free from all sin, all sickness, and all problems of the devil. Why? Because we're not in the partial light now. We're walking in the full light of revelation. God, the light himself, is here. And we're walking under the headship of the Holy Ghost. Watch now, verse 6, because look at Jesus here. But now hath he, that was Jesus, Obtained a more excellent ministry. I could take you through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe we'll go through some of them. Brother Branham started the church age book out showing how Jesus started his ministry by healing the sick and preaching the gospel was casting out devils. Went from city to city healing them all. Brother Branham in five identification of the true church took the healing ministry of Jesus. And now this identifies the true church right here. Any church that does not have supernatural signs following me are not the true church. Let me say it again. Any church that has not the supernatural signs following is not the true church. I'll put it like this. If supernatural signs are not following, we have not reached the stage of perfection or perfect faith. Or we have not received it and there's doubt there. Or it's not being preached for you to expect to it coming, one or the other. There's something hindering that supernatural presence of Almighty God. Because it is God's will for every person to be well. I've heard people say, well, it may be God's will for me to be sick. This is the way. No. It is not God's will for you to be sick. And once you understand, if it's not God's will for you to be sick, then how come I'm sick? If it's not God's will for you to be broke financially, and God desires that every son and daughter prosper and be able to give and be the head and not the tail, we should be on the giving end, not the begging end or the receiving end. Come on now. We should be the one that's helping people, not go to people for help. God desires for you to prosper, every one of us. Do you think I'm going to get on the other side and live in a little shack with a tin roof on it and somebody else live over here in a gold mansion? Boy, it's awful quiet. How many last gold streets to walk on? <laughs> yeah, that sounds just right for me. I like pearl doorknobs, don't you? Is it all right for me just to uh, kind of like talk to you this morning a little bit? You say, yeah, but you're highfalutin. I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. Yeah, I like the good things of life. You're not going to find me where God said, shoot how many arrows, and I just take two arrows out of my quiver and shoot two. He said, yep, okay, two years you'll be delivered. If you took all five, if you shot every arrow in your quiver, I'd give you a uh, conquer over your enemies, and they never would have rose up again. So if you didn't shoot that devil with one arrow, praise God I shot one arrow. Oh, I quit smoking, praise God. Man, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got it made now. Remember, there's four more arrows back there you better have shot. 
Because that devil said, okay, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you get rid of smoking, but I'll, I'll creep one of these legal spirits on out. I'll give you a religious spirit now. How many people do you see come out? They live like hell. They get in church in about two weeks. They think they're a pope. They know where everybody's supposed to live, what everybody's doing wrong, how everybody's supposed to do, what the husband do, wives do, what and more. But if you just follow them around a little while. Yeah, I had a preacher call me one time, young man. Oh, he was just raking me up and down. That we took a group from Canada up there over to a, a full gospel group. They had a, a youth band or a group of work, choir singing. So we just took over to listen to him. Oh, my Lord, that was the unpardonable sin. Brother Gregory took a, a group of the young people over to a church that didn't believe the message. Praise God. Some of them had short hair. Oh, that, oh he's just going to hell. He's off the word. And they called me up and said, why in the world did you do that? I'm not going to tell you what I told him. Because it won't sound very nice. But he was a homosexual and I thought here I'm listening to a homosexual tell me how I should run my church so I politely told him <laughs> let's read another verse I did have to repent I'll have to admit that now Jesus has attained a more excellent ministry Jesus cast out devils, healed the sick. There was not one person that was not well. Then how could he receive a more excellent ministry than walking on water, raising the dead, ever supernatural, cursing the fig tree, on and on and on. But then something happened at his resurrection that he received a more excellent ministry. A more excellent ministry. Brother Bram said, wait till that third pull comes down. What you've seen in the minor. Boy, we've seen a lot of things in the minor. We've seen miracles that would just blow your mind in the minor. But he said, wait till you see that third pull run, that perfect revelation come. Sons and daughters of God will speak to the weather. If you need rain, go find a son and daughter of God. And they'll say, I'll send you rain. They'll stop the heavens. We believe that's the two prophets. I believe that in a major way. But he said, eyes and arms and limbs and whatever more will be created right in the presence of you. That's greater. That's more of the same power and the same revelation. Working in the lives of the them. See, everybody's waiting for him to come back. When Brother Branham comes back, then we're going to have this, and then we're going to have that. Him, him. The Bible said these signs shall follow them. Them. Not he, but them. The he has done, performed his works. The he, Jesus, has performed his works. But he said now he has received a more excellent ministry by how much more also... He is the mediator of a better covenant. Yes, they were under a covenant in the Old Testament, but now we're under a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. I believe those better promises is Isaiah 53, which is the atonement of Jesus Christ that covers everything mentally, physically, and spiritually that we need. Everything is in the atonement. For if that first covenant had been faultless, in other words, you had to keep the law to get the benefits. You had to keep the feast to receive the benefits. You had to keep certain rituals to see, receive the benefits, which we know the great feast of them all, where every person in Israel, millions, maybe three or four million people, could come on one unique day of the year, and they call it the Day of Atonement. The greatest feast celebration of Israel. The promise was that if the high priest took a blood in the holiest of all the tabernacle. We've taught on it many times. If he took the blood of an animal into the holy place, 
They tied a rope around the priest because in the presence of the God which you and I live on right now, believe on and worship God in right now. We are sitting this morning in the very presence of the Logos. We are not struck dead. But they tied a rope around the high priest. Because if he walked in there and made one mistake, if he broke one step of the ritual, he would drop dead in the presence of God. All the children of Israel stood outside the tent and waited. They wasn't jumping up and down with a tambourine either. They stood there solemnly waiting. Because if that priest didn't come out, they were in trouble. The curse, the penalty would fall on the people. But if that man come out of there, if he walked out of there, they hear the bells coming. When he walked out of there, every lie, every curse, every transgression, every false statement, everything that they all done was gone. Hallelujah. Every sin was remitted by the blood of one sacrifice. Glory to God. That's the reason they had the Feast of Tabernacles. Because then they wouldn't celebrated, let their stores unlocked, didn't put guards around. Boy, we better not do that now. These little weasel demons love to steal everything they can get their hands on. You see these little covered up black masks, whatever more, afraid of who they are? They think they can cover in darkness. There's just demon power covering up so you won't know their true identity. And I guarantee you every one of them has got parents that could buy a TV for them, buy a car for them, buy them whatever they want. That's the reason why they're this spoiled, whatever more angry bunch of idiots. Beating on windows. Taking sticks and beating a car with it. You know, I find out demons don't change. You notice about four or five years ago, maybe ten years ago, when all this unrest over in Israel and all those countries over there. We saw the videos of them, people pulling down statues. Oh, praise God, they were just ripping, roaring, praising, turn down statues. Guess what's happening in America this week? Tearing down statues. They'd take a car, and they didn't have to, they'd take a car, throw rocks at it, but one stomp them down and hit it and whatever more, and just, why was you beating on a car? The car didn't do nothing to you. The car's not going anywhere. You're not hurting nobody. What? Beating on a tree, screaming and hollering and stomping up and down, that's just demon obsession right there. You want to see demons? Go home and turn on Fox News. This morning, they're trying to burn down Atlanta, Georgia. They're still protesting in Minneapolis. And Chaz, we got this new Chaz out there in Seattle. Praise God. We got a new country. I wonder if I got to have a, a passport to get in there. Chaz. I think Chaz was a bebop singer. Lord Jesus, what's wrong with our minds? And that educated mayor out there, we're just having a sit in a love fest. I guess we'll just have a summer of love fest. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad God didn't make me mayor. <laughs> We'd have a love fest, all right. But be something kissing your rear end as you run out of town. Come on. This is insane. But it's just exactly what the Bible said in Peter. I'll send them over to reprobate minds. They'll go in riots and disfrace governments and come against Paris and everything else. We're in the fulfilling of God's judgment on America. But praise be to God. He said, when you see those things, look up. Look up this morning because our redemption is drawing nigh. We should look at those rights and every disease germ leaves my body in the name of Jesus. 
I wished I was 30 again so we could preach it like it's supposed to be preached. Let me get to my lesson this morning. Praise God. Is it time? I got 10 more minutes. Let's get to it. By faith, Abel, Hebrews 11, 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Was Cain's sacrifice excellent? Yes, sir. He offered up a fruits, first fruit offering, which was the Pentecostal feast offering. In other words, Cain was a Pentecostal. But Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. In other words, he got it in order. He got it in order. Because revealed to him, it required blood. So he went out and got the most innocent thing that he could find, which was a little lamb. And he took a rock and began to beat his throat. And the blood starts splattering. And as the death left that animal, God was satisfied. And God testified of his gifts. Cain offered up a Pentecostal feast, the first, first fruits offering, which is the Feast of Pentecost. But he took the gifts before the blood. He forgot to get saved first. A lot of the Pentecostals take the gifts before their salvation. Most people want to be healed in their bodies. Still refuse to accept Jesus Christ as the Savior for their souls. They want to be well to do what they want to do. They want to be well to go where they want to go. Eat what they want to eat. But God's Bible is a holistic approach. You know the majority of our problems is because of what you eat. Now, I'm not a dietitian this morning, but the Bible tells you that. Most of your problems that finally manifest in the flesh... It basically comes from the stress of the mind, the thinking. That's the reason we'll get to this in a few minutes. So what we're looking at is in the Old Testament, healing under the Old Testament was in the keeping of rituals. Exodus 23, 25, and 26 tells us, I will take sickness away from thee. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Now what does that tell you and I today? God wants you to heal us. God wants us well. God wants you well from the time you're born until you get at least 80 years old. That's a promise. Prosper and be in health. 70 to 80 years old. It can be prolonged if you're good to your parents or whatever more. You can prolong your days. Until we are convinced. Listen carefully. I don't have much time to do this like I should. Until we are convinced that God wants you well. God does not want you deaf. Ask Brother Brown, you believe in divine healing, what are you wearing glasses for? Well, okay. He said, so I can read better. Well, the problem of it is, if I can read better, then I don't have to pray, worry about seeing. What if you didn't have hearing aids to help you hear? When that spirit gets in them channels and begins to slowly squeeze it off to where you can't hear the Word of God. Why would these deaf and dumb spirits get among the people? To keep people from hearing the Word of God. I would like by your desire and your expectation to preach until every person in this building does not hear, have to have any hearing enablement and can hear perfectly by the Word of God. How many would desire that? And then we'll move higher and higher until we walk off of this planet. 1 Kings 8, 56 says, There hath not failed one word of all His good promises. Jeremiah 1, 12, I, I will hasten my word to perform it. How many believes this is the word of God and God is the word? It's impossible for God to lie. All right, now Psalms 119, 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Yeah. 
If he said it, it's settled. Psalms 105, 37 says, God brought them forth out watching. There was not one feeble person among their tribes. Which the commentary said, three million people was all well and strong. Not one sick. Not one that could not see. There was not one in those three million that could not talk. There was not one that could not hear correctly. There was not a dumb or deaf person in that crowd. There was not one with confused thinking. They could all think right. Oh, Brother Gregory, oh, hallelujah, it's not that. If I can think right, then I can talk right. If I can talk right, sooner or later I'll believe it. And when I believe it, these signs shall follow those that believe. Amen. So in the Old Testament, as long as they reached the Day of Atonement and took the sacrifice and the high priest took it in, they were all free from diseases until we said approximately 80 years of age. We have found that basically the methods of healing changed from the Old Testament to the New. Animal sacrifice, plural, to one perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Brother Branham preached in the first and second pool sermon after sermon. But I believe it was what Christ the mystery of God revealed. One of those early seals, he said, when that veil was read from the top to the bottom. There was the Lamb of God come in plain view. Now every person could see the holiest of all. All of them was refused except the high priest. But now the veil was rent from top to bottom. And every person could see the atonement. Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. They went back and tried to sew it up. They went back and offered another sacrifice. But the prophet of God said there was not one more lamb, would not one more sacrifice received by Almighty God. He also said in this hour, when the seals was opened, that veil was rent. We've seen the perfect application of the atonement. God Himself is here fulfilling His word. God received not one more sacrifice from every denominational church on the world. Not one more did he receive. Then where is healing? It's in the report. Have we heard the report? That's the whole theme of it. So we found out that the season changed. Went from animal to the perfect sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Uh, you can't, uh, there's just so much there. It's wonderful, isn't it? Paul had his problem with it because it revealed to Paul that you're justified by faith plus nothing. But Peter and the rest of the apostles, James, they had a little problem with that because they were legalists. So they come and had a discussion with Paul, and Paul preached his revelation of the perfect atonement. They said, no, 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 no. We, we, we can't eat meat with blood, and they've got to, we've got to keep circumcision, and you've got to keep the feast days, and you've got to uh, keep this animal sacrifice. Paul said, no, no, no. Did the law make you perfect? Was you made perfect by the law? Or was you made perfect by grace? You was not made perfect, but you believed. Now you're free from the law, and you want to put people under the law. So Peter and James, they took over the leadership. So we'll go back to the Jews, and we're going to go back to the old way. We believe Jesus. Yeah, every fundamental church I know of believes Jesus to a certain degree. We're going to go back to the church and we'll have our rituals and we'll do this and we'll do that. And Paul, you go on out there to them ignorant people, them Gentiles out there. You go out there to them heathens. They don't have no covenant. They don't know nothing. So you just take your little grace gospel and you take it out there to them guys just like we are this morning. And you know what? We were so poor and dumb and stupid. 
that when somebody come and told me that I was a sinner, he didn't tell me nothing that I didn't know. But when he told me somebody took my place, that someone paid my price, that someone satisfied God for me, and I have been reconciled back to God, and all I have to do is say, I believe. Hallelujah. I said, that's a bargain better than Walmart, Kroger's, or anybody else. I'll take that. Then I got out among the message people. Musicians, you want to come? I've run out of time. Can I have the gift of gab next week and just keep on talking? Because we're going to preach until every person in this building is well and whole. We're going to get ready for the rapture. So we've got to have a healing in our bodies and our minds and whatever more. I got around the message people. They began to tell me what I had to quit doing. I went down to the boot hill, which I was around the hardy people. And you know, you, Sam, you know all about it. You've been down there. You were always raised in it. I went to a camp meeting over at the hardy. You know, they used to have it in that big thing there. I went there when me and my wife first got married. I was down there in the boot hill. And uh, we didn't, we didn't, she didn't have her dress down to her ankles. She didn't look like she'd come out of welfare. So we were strangers, really. And I'm not condemning people. I'm just telling you my experience. Now, this is, what, 30-something years ago, 40 years ago? I think it was Brother John Martin. You know Brother John Martin, don't you? Yeah. He got up, and I guess he had a list. He started with chewing gum, white shirts, speeding your wheels. He went down a list, smoking, drinking, cussing, this he went down a list, and when he got down to about 15 or 20 after an hour and a half, I thought, my God, is these people in this bad of shape? Surely they can't be in this bad of shape. So I told my wife, let's go home, and I'll just listen to a tape. So on my way out, guess what? I had met a deacon. I said, where are you going? I said, well, I come to hear the Word of God, but... These people are heathens. They, get, they got conversion. I'm already converted. I'm going to go home and listen to a tape. I never was welcome in that crowd again. Because they say, Brother Gregory's preaching that old salvation, that once saved, always saved, that you're absolutely sinless by the grace of God. He's preaching that we're sinless. Praise the Lord. He's preaching that we never done it in the first place. Praise the Lord. And we're listening to a prophet, this and this. I said, go over into 1964 and 65 when the seals were open. Our prophet said, you are the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. You've never done it in the first place. There's not one sin laid to your charge. You are perfect. You are sinless. Hallelujah. If I'm sinless, the devil has not one hope on me, period. Do you believe that this morning? Yeah. Let's stand and sing this song then. What was that song we were singing when we started? My God is real this morning. Let, Sam, you want to start that? My God is real. is like pure gold God is real for I can feel in my soul Holy Ghost is here this morning can feel in my soul. Okay, just a minute. Amen.
Oh, they got a good crowd in Canada. That's a good sign, praise the Lord. Think right. Talk right. Amen. knows your mouth is the biggest enemy you got. Yep. You'll lose your healing faster than anything by that. I want to finish up this morning. I'll read you this quote right here. Hebrews 3.1 tells us that Jesus Christ is the high priest of our confession. Taught right. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father to make good anything that we confess that he has done. That's his more excellent ministry. But he cannot do nothing for us until first we confess that he has done it and act upon it. Whatsoever things you desire, and I look at that as the power of positive desire right there. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it. That's the order. You believe now that you receive it and it shall be given to you. That's the future. For he is the high priest to make intercession on, for your confession. He cannot heal you until first you confess he has. This is the more excellent minister. Watch. He cannot save you. No matter how much you cry. You can come to the altar. You can cry. Pull your hair out. If you want to scream and say, oh God have mercy. He said, I believe in old fashioned repentance. But you can stay there until you believe, uh, uh, until year after year, and you never be saved until you believe in your heart that He has saved you and raise up and confess it. How simple is that? Just take God's word for it. How long will I stay saved, Brother Gergen? As long as you confess that you are saved. My Father and His holy angel, is that true? He said, now, you cannot be saved only by faith and your, con and your confession. Is that right? He will make good anything that He died for. That's Isaiah. That's the atonement. Did He die for my transgressions? Yes. Was He bruised for my iniquity? That's like knowing to do right and you still don't do it. The chastisement of our peace with over, and with his stripes, we are healed. That's perfect, the more excellent way. There's your third pull. There's your revelation of Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You said that's fundamental Baptist. The Baptist as far as salvation is right. Their Trinitarian belief, their confession, their water baptism, their evidence is wrong. Billy Graham preached salvation so simple, his message was true. And Brother Brown said, you keep on believing, going up to sanctification, going up to baptism of the Holy Ghost, going up to healing, going up to gifts, going up to the immortality, going up to the presence of God. I believe that God is here in the midst of the church. And I'm going to do my best under His grace to study this Word and to preach to you divine healing to the place of immortality. And I don't think I will exhaust the subject until there's a bride goes out of here perfectly well. I'm not looking so much for temporary healing like a toothache or whatever more. That's wonderful. That you should get that just sitting in your seat. But I'm getting old and I can't pray for 30 or 40 people at a time. And I don't expect that we'll need it. But we can take one or two individuals that's got serious problems and deal with them. We may have to take two or three weeks until we get to everybody. But we're going to get to everybody. As we grow in the Spirit and grow in the Word of God, you'll see that the presence of God will heal the sick sitting in your seat. But it will take you working with the Holy Spirit and the Word and working with me. To do your part, come on, to do your part, take our responsibility to the body of Christ, praying for the body, 
Lord, send gifts in here on somebody. If we need a message, don't pray, oh, Lord, use me. Oh, Lord, use somebody in our assembly to help us with your gifts. Speak to us through anybody. Maybe one time, but it'll answer the problem. The whole greater than the one. That's where we're at. We've got to deal with the whole assembly. Not just individual. But as we deal with the body, you'll find that every cell in Jesus Christ come to immortality when one cell that corrupted and was lost. And you'll find, but not even any consciousness of your own, your body getting better and better and better and better until you say, man, I had not felt this way in years. Something must be happening. It's the Word of God. Your soul is prospering by the Word of God, and it comes out to the body. Amen. Now let's sing that song one more time. Shake hands with each other. Get turn around and give Canada. Boy, they got a full house this morning. So let's turn around and give them away. My God is.